You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about being speechless. This week we read, Sometimes There Are Truly No Words, published in Psychology Today 2021. Um, Heather, I thought this was a fun topic. Let's think about times when we were just speechless as either counselors or supervisors, where we just were caught off guard and were speechless. I can think of actually lots of situations as a counselor. Okay. One of mine was a teenage girl in my office, and she was there. She was having behavioral problems at school, and no one understood her. I mean, very almost textbook. like. Uh-huh. And then in the middle of all this, and let me also preface, this was probably about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So the world has changed a little since then. Anyway, in the, in the crux of all this, she says that she's pansexual, mm-hmm. 13 years old. Mm-hmm. First of all, wasn't expecting that to even go there. Yeah. But she says that. And literally my brain, I went, this is interesting. I don't even know what that is. Like, yeah, I, there's no, a go. It was right. brand new. I was kind of thinking, how did she know what that was? That's right. pretty interesting. Right. But when that happened, I was like, oh, no, like, I don't even know. Oh, tell me about that. Like, <laughs> literally pulling bits and pieces out and sat there with like, I'm going to Google this. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know how else to look this up. But that was one. Yeah. I have another one that was a premarital couple coming in mm-hmm. and when we got to the intimacy and sex section the wife to be had a little bit more experience than the guy and he was very uncomfortable and he asked her to leave and then i was okay this must be really embarrassing for him right but he actually had no foundational no understanding of actual intercourse whatsoever like zero yeah i'm speechless yes there we go um, <laughs> I, because I'm thinking even in school districts where they don't address this, there's some right health class, science class that at least talks about the body parts. Right. So like private school, very, very conservative family. Okay. And and still, I mean, then my second question is, so never went to P.E. class. Right. Like never. Like, like had a sleepover with a friend. I kind of thought he was just embarrassed and he was joking. Like, I was, right. like, not, I was caught off guard, one, that he kicked her out of their premarital session and said, mm-hmm. can you go to the waiting room for a minute? This is awkward. And then I thought he was going to tell me something different than that. Yeah, sure. But then it was like, oh, and he waited and he waited. And in my head, I was coming up with, what do you tell someone about sex when it's not my job? Like, not really... But we're well, that's interesting, too, that he <laughs> definitely thought it was your job. Great. <laughs> wow. Do you think he got the full message? I think he figured it out. Yeah. Wow. And we're not talking about he had no child bride. Right. <laughs> this is normal. I mean, they were young. They were adults. And they're early 20. Okay. I'm thinking about times where kids have just said things and stumped me. Oh, yeah. Or... 
maybe knock on wood, not many two times where I've been in a family session and parents have said th- something that just blew and me you away. Went, wow, you just said that. Mm-hmm. And now I have to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like, let's see. One time I had a kid that felt a little bit young for this, but he was bad at school, very frustrated. And that was his typical pattern that he would be frustrated at school, bring it home with him, not know how to manage his emotions well. Right. And we saw each other right after school. So Mm -hmm. some days that was, that means he brought it straight to me. Right. And something in the session I was setting a limit about. I think he was trying to break something or tear something up in my room. Mm -hmm. And so I set a limit. And first he started wadding up like the, he had a piece of paper and he was tearing it up mm-hmm. and kind of wadding it up. And I thought, okay, piece of paper. I'm not right. Who cares? Whatever. Tear up the piece of paper. Then he started making them into spitballs Uh-oh. and spitting them out. Oh. And I thought, oh man, I should have seen that one come. Right. He was already pretty. <laughs> and then that just didn't phase me enough. It didn't upset me enough. And ah. He had to do try hard <laughs> So then he started calling me racial slurs. Oh, just to see if you would react? Yeah. Wow. And I thought, man, isn't he a little bit too young to know even all of these? Right. So I was caught in my head definitely thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Where did he hear all of this? And wow, that's sad that he knows all of these things. And also stumped with, I don't know how to respond to this. I don't think I'm getting emotional about it, but it doesn't feel good. Right. Hmm. I kind of like sat with it and let it keep continue to happen for a little bit. And then we can try to move on. But yeah, I was kind of speechless. And yeah, I think it's easy with kid clients that they all of a sudden pop something yeah. like, out that we we're not yeah. expecting. One time in my playroom, one of the rules is that there is this, I know it's a safe kid friendly place. And so I will allow kids to take their shoes off if they're willing to put their shoes back on when they leave. Right. They can't just like walk out of the room or walk out of the building. Uh-huh. No shoes on. So I was sit, a kid had taken his shoes off and we were at the end of the session. And so he sat down and he was young enough that he put his shoes on, but he needed help tying. Okay. So he's sitting next to me and he's got one foot in my lap and I'm tying. Right. And he said, ah, you're the only person that understands me. Oh. In a really sweet way. Right. And then immediately said, oh, can I have $20? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Wow. A little stinker. Right. I think he meant both of those things. Right. I'm thinking too, like I used to have a job where I went in home often. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of occasions where I was speechless then. I remember one time somebody was really excited to show me their brand new big TV. We'd already met and done what we were going to do. But before you go, let me show you my new TV. And I thought, okay. And it's right back here. And we walked back and I thought, uh oh, now I'm going a little farther back into this house. I really meant to. I thought maybe just like the next room, but it was in a bedroom. So I had to go pretty far back into the bedroom. We get into the bedroom and there is a giant TV with a giant hole in the ceiling above the TV, like straight up to the sky. (laughs) It's just straight up to the sky. And I thought, wow, Mm -hmm. one. I would never have known that giant hole was near the base. You would never know. If I had not for the TV. But now all I then I went and this was a client that I was doing counseling with with an intellectual disability. So one, I was concerned about their welfare right. there in this house. But also 
okay, did you think this through, mm-hmm. that your brand new TV that you're it, really excited about right. and you care a lot about is right below the giant hole? But we have a problem here in the ceiling. I want to address this. <laughs> I think in-home can bring a lot. Yeah. I also had a job for a while that did in-home. And when I walked in, it was a very nice sized house. Mm-hmm. And I knew there were four kiddos, mom and dad. And I also knew that grandma and grandpa also lived there. So I was well aware that this is like, Yes, a big house, but lots of like family home. Yeah. Well, when I walked in to the right, when you walk in, which would normally be a dining room, was changed into what I would call like a, a smushed in family room. Like they kind of okay. smushed in a couch in there with a TV. It just was a tight fit. Mm-hmm. Again, lots of people living here. Yeah. Well, as you walk through to go to the kitchen and the living room, the rest of the house, there are just beds set up. Like oh. it's someone's bedroom in the living room. And, I don't know. It sounds a little bit like Charlie and the Chocolate. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was like you walk it, you're like, oh, okay. All right. And we yeah. went back into the back. We used to do in the backyard all the time was where our spot was because it was the quietest spot. Uh-huh. And we like did our session and it opened the sliding door to walk back in. And there's grandpa changing his clothes. Oh, well, okay. Wait, uh, uh, wrong hour. Sorry. Wrong sorry. But then how long do you stand there? And then <laughs> I mean, it was just this awkward, like you have to go back through this way. There's not another option. How do I get out of this backyard? Oh, wow. But. There are lots of things, I think, when you go in home yeah. that you see that necessarily you wouldn't get right. anywhere else. Right. Okay. One. Di- this wasn't actually technically in home, but it was at a home. I parked my car on the street and I must have been, I knew this person well, but I'm thinking it must have been like the first or second time I'd been there because I parked and maybe didn't know exactly where I should have parked. So I was a little bit farther away than right in front of the house. Right. And I I get out and they kind of wait, you know, like, oh, we're right here. So, you know, knew where I was going. And in that amount of time, get out, close the door, wave, start heading in the right direction. Two little kids ran by my car and pulled off the hubcaps and then ran off. Gosh. <laughs> and the person I was meeting would, knew it like, right. yeah, oh, and actually was quick enough that they got one of the kids. So I only ended up with one missing oh. hubcap. But I the whole time I was going, what? What? How do I do this? Like, <laughs> okay, Heather, what about a time where your clients or supervisees were speechless? Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligence strategies to help leaders Drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. I think that does happen from time to time. I can think of a client situation, actually a few, and this kind of broad stretching here, but just when you reflect back what they've said to you, Mm -hmm. and then they go, oh, oh. Like it's the first time they're hearing it yeah. and they're kind of stuck for that yeah. moment. Like oh. an aha moment that, right. that really hit home. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have another funny one. This is, it's been a long time now. I was kind of a, a newer counselor and I was doing family therapy and the fa- this family was mom, the client who was a young teenager and sister who was also kind of a young teenager. 
that was pregnant. Oh, okay. The sister may have been like 16, mm-hmm. something like that. And so we all go into my office and we kind of got started with an activity. Okay. So I'm, I asked them to, to complete an art directive and they're working together as okay. a family. Oh, and I'll say that the sister came in and I could tell she looked like she didn't feel well yeah. to the point where I said, oh, can, are you okay? Can I get you some water? Mm-hmm. Maybe we have some juice. Right. We'll she, be... Something's up here. You're yeah. aware of. Yeah. And she goes, no, no, I'm fine. And so we start the art directive. And so mom and the client are on the couch and the sister is in an armchair. And I would say three fourths of the way through the session, the sister farted so loud and so long. Just all like it was just it was huge. <laughs> and the mom and the client did not look at their sister. They looked directly at me, and they were mortified. Right? They're like, oh. and I looked at the sister, and she went made this like. Actually, kind of like a happy face. Right. She said, like, I feel much better. I was like, you do. My goodness. <laughs> and I said, so they were speechless. Right. But I said, hey, it's not the first time. Right. It won't be the last. Right. Big deal. And we continued on. And maybe I'll, we were almost made it to the end of the session. Ten minutes later, mm-hmm. she did it again. Mm-hmm. And she said, I am sorry, but that has really been bothering me all day long. And now I feel so much better. No. And they were still just so embarrassed. So we talked a lot about clients, supervisees. I think I have supervisees who appear speechless actually in supervision when I am giving tough feedback Mm. or asking them to do something that they don't want to do. Right. I think the most recent time this happened was probably abuse reporting. Mm -hmm. And... We can talk about it and around it and why and how. and they, But you got to do it. Yeah, yeah. I can still tell by the look on their face and how they're not giving me a whole lot back and forth that they don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are hard. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's happened to me before. I also think, you know, I've had situations with supervisees where like they think they know exactly their plan, their attack, and then they go to tell me and I go, oh, but what about the, and like I've interrupted their plan of what how they thought they were going to handle a client situation. Mm-hmm. And then they're just kind of stuck, like they're lost. Like it's they don't know what to say next. They're like, oh, I didn't even think about that or I didn't think about. And it's something usually really basic, like, so what room are you going to be in when you do this art activity? Yeah. Like, where are you going to office when this happens? Oh, that would be a problem. Mm. Things like that that have caught them off guard. Yeah, no. Or maybe they just haven't thought about it. Mm -hmm. You ask them a question and they just go, oh, uh oh, yeah, I don't know. Mm hmm. I haven't thought about that. I didn't get that far. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Can you think of a time where you gave feedback that was just really tough that stumped somebody, a supervisee that they just weren't ready for or maybe they just don't like hearing the feedback? I think I would go with that second part. I think sometimes if they don't like the feedback, you get kind of that like almost that glassy eyed like, oh, I'm not even going to agree with that or I'm not even going to like acknowledge that you just said that because yeah. I don't want to take that action. Right. Well, want yeah. What do you think about supervisees that do that? That maybe it happens sometimes, but if you feel like it's happening on a regular basis, that you're getting that same look or you're getting that same kind of quiet resistance, then what do you do? Right. I mean, if it's not a if they're not going to work through it and make progress, that's a time that maybe a supervision change is possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they if it's not working, not that it has to be my way, but if it's something like abuse reporting or like handling client peer you know, relation something big like that that's going to impact how you do your work, 
then it's time for you to find a supervisor that works the same way you do. Yeah, I know not every supervisor does this, but I have some supervisees that work in my office. And so when they do, then there's also a discussion of managing the business. Right. Things like managing money. I can think I've had a supervisee that basically was having sessions for free and not charging people. Whoops. And felt kind of justified. I mean, there were a handful of different reasons this person felt justified. Like, well, but they decided not to come back. Okay. Uh, yeah. So they're going to get paid. Or, well, what was one? We got interrupted because I think they bought, brought a baby to the session okay. and the baby needed a diaper change. Okay. So the session got interrupted and cut short because we had to stop for a diaper change. Hmm. Or, oh, I didn't charge them for a really long time and, and now it's, you know, been quite a while and now I don't want to charge. Uh-huh. Yeah. In my mind, I keep saying, yes, we get, we need to do this. We need to talk about it. We need to work on it. Because if they do intend to be in a private practice, that's pretty important. Well, they'll sink. Right. right. But I also think it has to do with the client-counselor relationship. Absolutely. I mean, that's a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. So those are times when I feel yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it got to a point where that was really happening often, that they were not charging for things that they should have charged for. That probably would be a, a yeah. time when we parted ways. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. What if, Maybe in the same vein, following an agency policy or something like that. Right. That also might be a time where it might be hard for them to respond, but also might be a situ- situation where you might decide, this is important enough, we might part ways here. Right. I think that's important, especially if your moral or ethical stance has been compromised at all. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if we can't adjust and and make amends here, then it's probably not something that we need to continue. Right. Yeah. Okay, Heather, last point. When being speechless really works. So can you think of some times where you as a supervisor or counselor maybe is at a loss for words or chooses not to use words and that's effective. That's part of the tool. I have intentionally let people argue in my office before in couples therapy mm. and just waited mm-hmm. and waited and didn't say a word. And they literally spent 35 minutes yeah. before they noticed that they were in therapy. It's just like letting it. How did the person, the first person to slow down and notice, where they did they just go, oh, hey, wait, you're still here? <laughs> oh, yeah. They were mad that I hadn't interrupted. Oh. Because the husband was very upset. Aren't you supposed to fix this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've had that happen. I can think of other ways where I am purposely quiet or refusing to speak if I've got a kiddo that just sometimes needs to like process and have quiet time. They're not yeah, speaking. I'm not going to force it. Yeah. I just need that. A long time ago, I had a kid. Man, she was so fun. She, lots of bullying at school for lots of different reasons. And her parents were really actually great. So patient. And so understanding and so accepting and supportive. And mom called me one day and she said, I'm sitting in the pickup line and I see her coming. I see her walking towards me. And this is a bad, bad day. Like heads up. Here yeah. it comes. Yeah. And, and we're headed your, your way. Mm-hmm. But just letting you know, I don't know yet. Wait, and, yeah. and I don't know if she's going to tell me, but right. this is bad. Right. And she came in and she did look, I mean, she clearly had been crying. She totally looked disheveled. Mm -hmm. And I went, hey, come on in. And she sat down and she just, she was almost unconsolable. She was just like, yeah. And so I think I reflected for a while or or tried to just be 
like an attentive listener. She right. wasn't talking. Right. Um, ultimately, we got out. I said, could we try and draw? Let's just try to draw. Right. And so we got out paper and we got out something to draw with. And I even, at the time, I had a couch and an orange hair. And it felt like sometimes I was a little too, too far. far. Yeah. And so at one point, I said, could I come and sit just on the other end of the couch? And she nodded. She didn't speak the whole time. And then other than those, that little bit, I didn't speak the rest of the time. Right. Just and, you needed with yeah. not to be taught. I mean, sometimes that is a better solution. Mm -hmm. And so probably, I mean, most of the length of the session, we sat next close to, close-ish to each other with the markers and stuff between mm -hmm. us and drew. And she was actively drawing. I do think I maybe gave a directive like, draw your day or something mm -hmm. like that. And I drew also. And at the end, you know, I went, well, we're about out of time. Do you want to take your picture with you or do you want to share it? And I think she just like shook her head right. without saying anything. And I said, can I show you what I drew? And I showed her. And again, not with many words. Right. And then she got up and she took her picture with her. And about like kind of halfway across the room, she just went like really quietly. But to me, said, right. I needed that. Good. It's amazing. Then, I love those moments. Yeah. Those are the best. Yeah. So not really talking at all for an hour. Mm -hmm. It was really therapeutic. What about it with a supervisee? Do you ever have times where you don't say much to a supervisee and you don't need to? A couple weeks ago, I had a supervisee sharing something with me. And they knew that where my stance was on it. And they knew what the next action was. I mean, they were saying, and you're going to say blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. And I just yeah. nodded along. Yep. Sorry. Tough case. Yep, yeah. Got to do that. You know, just kind of like nodded my head and just felt like it was much more like productive for me not to even give insight or anything else. Just agreed with, yep, you're right. Go on. Do your, okay. So next client, I think it's right along. Yeah. They knew. Yeah. Huh. I think I'll, I maybe sometimes will give a look like. Yeah. There's like, usually a look. The like, look <laughs> is just like, you know, <laughs> or hmm, do I need to say anything? Right. Like, How much? insight did you need here mm -hmm. but definitely that comes with and it sounds like the yeah. true of yours comes with a supervisee that you've known a while oh yeah so, yeah i probably wouldn't be quite so i don't know mm -hmm. that's intense or whatever with a newbie <laughs> i can think i've had a, a supervisee like the one you're describing had awareness and insight and was processing and doing a lot of that on their own but i remember that it what there was uh transference Right. It was a, a client of theirs that had so, enough similarities that it felt really personal. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of sat with that. Yeah. I think anytime I'm doing Santry. Oh, easily. That's, yeah. Yeah. But I do think my supervisees that I do Santry with will get kind of antsy or awkward. Right. They're just like, like, okay. Damn it. No. <laughs> and then sometimes they'll process mm -hmm. their Santry a little bit before mm -hmm. I say anything. They'll go, okay, well. I know what this means. And right. they'll start processing it or, well, I see what I'm doing here. So it doesn't take a whole lot of words on my part. Yeah. I've had a supervisee say to me before, like, do you have anything else to tell me about that? Like, I didn't tell them already what, you know, was enough. And I'm like, no, just let that roll up. You'll think it through. Mm -hmm. Like, it'll be fine. Yeah. You've got a good process. Go on with that. Yeah. Well, so then you're learning or you're teaching them to trust themselves. Right. And I think that's especially one of those crucial things towards the end of the yeah, supervision time. They've got to be able to start trusting their gut a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that our whole thought process through the idea of being speechless is pretty interesting. The power of words, 
And also the power of silence. Yeah. Intentional silence. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.